Hello and welcome. I'm Melanie Tate and this is Weepies, the podcast that revisits some of the great tearjerkers of film to find out if they're truly sad or whether we've been puppets being manipulated by the Hollywood audio system. Hello, good morning. Not good morning because this is Podland. Hello, Kim Lester. (laughs) Hello, Hello, Melanie Tate, wherever you are in whatever time of day it is. Um, Kim, I'm so excited because Dan Illich is with us today. You might know Dan from one of the many jobs he does being very, very funny. His podcast, Irrational Fear, or his amazing Joke Keeper campaign in 2021, which sort of made headlines right around the world. Um, Dan, what movie did you bring us to watch and cry to? G'day, Kim. G'day, Mel. I um, I brought you a movie that always, always without fail makes me cry several times. So yeah. much so that I need to hydrate before and after. <laughs> um, I brought you Forrest Gump. I'm really interested to know where it makes mm. you cry and why it continues to make you cry because Forrest Gump is a very, very well-known movie that's kind of seeped into all of our consciousness, hasn't it? But we'll talk more about that soon. Sure, yeah. So, Dan, we want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. You've made the international headlines this year. Can you tell us how Joke Keeper started and where it en- well, where it is? I'd say where it ended up, but it's ever going, isn't it? Well, I've kind of I've kind of stopped raising money, so that's good. So I'm I'm looking forward to never having to raise money again because that is the <laughs> hardest and most stressful thing you'll ever have to do is ask people for money. Um, what I did was I simply a couple of months out from the climate talks in Glasgow last year in 2021, I had this idea that. Australia is such a bad climate actor that I wanted to embarrass Australia in some way, but also let everybody know who is going to that summit that Australians and Australians don't necessarily agree with our government, uh, and that we that our government is basically held <laughs> held to capture by the fossil fuel companies. And I wanted to acknowledge that Australians really want to see meaningful climate action, which they do. So, mm. so I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put up a billboard in Glasgow, um, and I'm going to ask folks if they want to chip in to pay for that billboard. Um, so I had this billboard in the in the middle of Glasgow. It was going to cost $12,000. And uh, uh, on the 27th of September, about a month out from the climate talks, I, I hit go on my Indiegogo campaign, basically saying, hey, we're terrible. We're pretty much the worst actor when it comes to climate talks. You know, we side with Russia and Saudi Arabia. Like that's, it's like Russia, Saudi Arabia and Australia. Well, that mm. is the block of, of leaders that we hang out with when we go to these climate talks. And I said, and I'm embarrassed by that. And I, I'm in so embarrassed to be an Australian. We should tell the rest of the world that Australians are embarrassed by their government. Do you want to chip in? And I hit go at 6.30 on my Indiegogo, sent it out to my email list, and I reached $12,225, which is the cost of the billboard, by 8.30. So wow. in two hours, I got my budget <laughs> and, the, and the money kept coming. And it was like, wow. Uh, but, you know, 24 hours later, I had $40,000. Uh, three days later, I had $80,000. And I'm like, well, you know what? I, I'm First of all, this really shows just how annoyed Australians are when it comes mm. to their government. And uh, and it was, it was like really channeling, I really hit a nerve when it came to climate change and what our government does. So I thought, well, we're going to need more billboards and bigger billboards. So they went from being one billboard to three billboards, went from being a small billboard to three giant billboards. And then as the numbers kept ticking over, like over 90,000, over 100,000, I was like, well, uh, now... (laughs) 
<laughs> I think we should just aim for the biggest billboard possible. So we went to Times Square and got the biggest billboard in Times Square oh. and we got uh, – it's a billboard that normally costs $100,000 an hour. Admittedly, I didn't have $100,000, but I did book 10 minutes of screen time on this gigantic wow. billboard. It's so big, they call it Godzilla, uh, <laughs> and it wraps an entire city block, the entire Marriott Hotel in wow. Times Square. Wow. And we put up um, you know, lots and lots of jokes, uh, not only from Irrational Fear and myself, but other comedians wrote jokes and I stole jokes from other comedians and asked them if I could put it up. And, and we made this incredible 10-minute um, montage of all these hilarious billboards. It's so great. <laughs> um, the, and we'll put a link to Dan's podcast, Irrational Fear, in our show notes too. You'll love it, you'll laugh, you'll have a great time. Yeah. About climate change, but also you won't have a like you on, on another level. You don't have a great time. I think well, I think one of the the best comments on Apple Podcasts I get is like uh, stuff like you know this this show makes me laugh at things I should be crying about. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> win! Yeah, that's exactly yeah. how we won again. That's exactly how we made it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that, that's the whole thing. It's it's a cathartic uh, experience. Uh, fantastic. Fear. Which is what we're hoping this will be too. Exactly. Now, tell, are you a crier in movies? Oh, d- terrible crier in movies. I'm, I, you know, I weep. I weep. I weep. At, <laughs> these days I weep at um, sorbent commercials. Um, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, if there's something, oh, don't, Christmas time is terrible for commercials for me. There's yes. so many beautiful Christmas <laughs> commercials. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big, big crier. Do you have a theory about why we all love crying in movies? You know how, like, we're not, we don't all love it, but a whole bunch of us do. Maybe we give ourselves permission to have a cry by ourselves watching something in a dark space on our own. Um, and it might feel good. Like, it feels good to, mm. to reach your mm. emotions um, in that way, I think. I don't have a unifying theory, but what I would say is probably, particularly as a man, I'm not allowed to cry. <laughs> maybe, mm. And maybe during movies, I give myself permission to cry. What's your history with it, Dan? Why did you choose it? I think I saw it as a kid and I really enjoyed it. And I, in some respect, as, an, uh, as a young person, as a, well, as a child when I saw it, I wanted my life to be as varied and as interesting as Forrest Aww. Gump. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think in many respects up until COVID, my life has been <laughs> has been like one little Forrest Gump adventure from one to another. But as an adult, it's a totally different reading. You know, it's this, mm. it's this incredible story about optimism and America and mythology and I think um, and love and... I think, and the stories we tell ourselves. I think, as a kid, I, I was like, "Wow, he's gone on so many adventures! Wow, I want so I want to do so many adventures." In many respects, every time I've, I used to go to America once every two years to do stuff, just to do mm. stuff, to be there because I loved America so much. And I kind of found myself in several kind of Forrest Gump situations, <laughs> just thinking about it, heading into this podcast. It was one time in America, I um. I hitchhiked across America from Seattle to New York, and um, and I don't know if I would have done that uh, if I hadn't hadn't have watched Forrest Gump. Wow! <laughs> and you know, another time in America, I went down to the, the National Mall, and it was the rally to restore sanity and all fear with John Stewart and, and Stephen Colbert, and I I was heading. 
I was heading there and I had this series of interesting things. I wanted to get to this event down in the National Mall. The week before I was in New York and I saw a famous American academic tweet about this a conference he was going to be talking and if you wanted to go you could go to it by registering it on his Twitter link. So I I've, I followed um Jeff Jarvis's Twitter to his talk at the New York Stock Exchange, which I didn't realise was in the boardroom of the New York Stock Exchange with like 100 executives. And I took my camera and I interviewed Jeff Jarvis and then I met some people on the train who were at that event and this one guy gave me his card and it said Washington, D.C. When I got home, I emailed and said, hey, I, I want to go to, can I stay at your place because I want to go to this event in the mall. He's like, actually, I'm not going to be there. But I saw a friend on Facebook who had a couple of hotel reservations he can't use because he was going to go to that event. And he connected me and he's like, and this guy on the phone's like, yeah, what's your website? I want to check you out. Make sure you're a good person. And I had my all my comedy stuff on my website. He's like, oh, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah, you can stay there. Don't worry. Just use my name. No money. Don't worry. So I stayed in this gigantic suite in the like in Georgetown. Wow. And then walked to this event, this this huge rally with a million people. And then I used my ABC media pass to get a media credential uh, and ended up in the cherry picker uh, for photographers up in the sky for this huge event, which then got stuck due to mechanical issues. So <laughs> I was up there for an hour, whereas, you know, you're only meant to be up there for 10 minutes to take a photo. So I got this, the best view of the house, just because Forrest Gump kind of finds himself in the edge of history yeah. around these big moments and um, it, it's extraordinary. Like I, I was in the same, I was like a, a metre away from Donald Trump in 2015 when he was thinking about running for for, oh. for election, you know, like so these these strange kind of coincidences have uh, kind of been in these kind of weird, weird moments. Um, when I'm in America, I've kind of find myself in these mm. strange places. So, do you think it's this movie that opened you up to be able to do stuff like that? Maybe in some some conscious level. Like I always love adventure, and I always love doing strange things. I always love doing things that people read about I always love like you know being the person who's in the thick of it rather than reading about it in the newspaper I, I'm one of I'm all about participating in public like I feel like you know for me it's like being part of it is much more fun than being an outsider so reading it um so for Forrest, Forrest Gump is an interesting personality where he is so doggedly focused on whatever he does for the time he's doing it and that is definitely not me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I feel like he, just through the nature of being an open person and a generous person um, and a person open to ideas and, and concepts and and having good values and living out those values, he's managed to find his way into extraordinary situations. And uh, I, I have values that I often betray and I don't, you know, you know, they aren't great. Um, those moments, but when when you are when you are true to, true to your values and you're true to who you are, I feel like that's when some good magic happens. Shall we do a recap and then talk a bit more about the? Uh, did you want to say much about your history with the movie Mel? No, I have nothing near as good as that. Yeah. I don't even have it. <laughs> I, it's just like I watched it from a video shop in at Robertson <laughs> Service Station. That, yeah. And I have I have some sad news for you, Mel. I drove past that video shop last week and um, the video oh. shop is now a cafe. Oh. 
it so, held out, didn't it? it? Held out, held out till uh, for about till about six months ago. I think, yeah, or a year ago. wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yep. Yes, I I rented it many times from there. That's so it's not nearly as exciting as being a few feet from um, Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> so Kim, let's have a recap of Forrest Gump for the three people in the world that haven't seen it. Yeah, well, Forrest Gump is the story of a kid from Greenbow, Alabama with an undisclosed intellectual impairment, I'm going to say, and a mother who never, ever, ever stops fighting for him to live a great life, which is one of the things I love about the movie. As an adult, he narrates his story to a series of people sitting beside him at a bus stop, and what a story. Here's a list of some of the things we know about Forrest. Uh, He is named after an ancestor who founded the Ku Klux Klan, He most likely survived polio, which is the reason that he had to wear leg braces as a kid. He inspired Elvis Presley's signature dance move. He won a college football scholarship because he was a very fast runner. He demonstrated tolerance on national TV during the Stand in the Schoolhouse Door event of 1963. He met JFK at the White House. He saved the lives of several men during an air raid in Vietnam. He met Lyndon Johnson at the White House. He represented the USA Army in a ping pong tournament against China. He met Richard Nixon at the White House. He set off the Watergate events. Uh, He inspired John Lennon to write Imagine. He survived Hurricane Carmen on a shrimp boat. He became a shrimp mogul. He was an early investor in Apple computers. He ran across America for three years. He inspired the bumper sticker Shit Happens and the yellow Have a Nice Day smiley face. He fathered Haley Joel Osman. He married his childhood sweetheart and he nursed her through end-of-life care as she died from complications of AIDS. Did I miss anything? Uh, um. No, but you know what? <laughs> I read something that Winston Groom, the writer, said that they mm-hmm. leave it, they don't say that it's AIDS. And no. That he actually says it's hepatitis B or something. I've heard that it's hep C, but then when I was looking yesterday, I read something somewhere, could have been fake news, I don't know, <laughs> that confirmed that they apparently did, there was a script for a sequel, which was Forrest Gump Jr. living with AIDS because he had contracted it from his mother. Oh, Who knows if that's what? real. Wow. It's probably wow. fake news. But I'm kind of going with it. it I think it given sense. the events of the movie, it makes so much more sense that she has HIV AIDS than hepatitis C because it's 1981-82 is the timeline that I read online. Yeah. And she does say, I think, yeah, 1981 is the when – they say they goodbye. Reconnect. Yeah. Uh, and or when the bus stop scene is. And yes. then she says she's sick a little bit before then and she says the doctors don't know what it is. Yeah. It's a mystery virus. And I think yeah. you know, that's pretty I feel like that's pretty uh, I, I feel like that's kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my theory. Um I should just add the actual sort of story of Forrest Gump is that Forrest is surrounded by a very small number of people who care really dearly for him, his mother, his childhood best friend Jenny, uh, his best good friend Bubba who Hmm. dies in Vietnam and his army leader Lieutenant Dan. And they all see Forrest in a way that others don't. They see his depth and his kindness and his strength and his capacity to love. And I think that's what's really Mm. beautiful about this movie. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Where, where does it get you, Dan? Where does it, where's the first, like, take us through. I think, you know, it gets me several places, you know, uh, when you see echoes of Jenny's dad being bad to her, oh, yes. when you see Forrest being bullied, when you see Jenny allowing him to sit on the, be- on the, on the, on the mm. bus seat, 
the accept. I think, you know, there's two kind of sides to this. There's times when I cry is when people die and it's really tragic, but then times when I cry in Forest Gump is when there is unbelievable kindness and love yeah. shown towards Forest. Mm. And I go, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, and, you, and also when you see unrequited, the unrequited love that, you know, Forrest has to deal with with Jenny. As a young man, I um, you know had many crushes in my life, and uh, <laughs> uh, and I you know I was very late to finding you know uh, my love, uh, and so it was one of these things where I was like, oh god, oh god, someone loves him, but he doesn't. They don't love them back. Oh god. Mm. Uh, so there was a there's a bit of that. Um, so yeah, this well, look, and so many of the secondary characters die that it's um on a regular basis that so mm. you, you share a, shed a tear for them because they've all been part of lifting up Forrest or being part of, store, of Forrest's story or have given him some magical element that means that he can keep going. And I think um, that's quite beautiful and it's it's so touching. And, oh, and often the defeat, like in L- Lieutenant Dan's defeat, self-defeat yeah. and self-talk is mm. aggravating and when he's in a tough place and suffering depression, that is... That is quite emotional. I mean, that's yeah. hard to kind of see him deal with um, his disability and um, and his own negative um, thoughts as well. And th- what's so tragic about that is that you know he he didn't it didn't ha- it happened to him. You know it 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 wasn't the it wasn't in his plan to live um, with a disability. It was in his, it was his plan to go to war to die. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's it's this interesting kind of. I think Lieutenant Dan's an interesting kind of metaphor for mental illness and trying to deal with your own demons in that that regard. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested in in his journey and Jenny's journey, I think, are the two that interest me most in this movie. Mel, have you ever cried in this movie? You told me it's not really a weepy for you. No, until I'd cried this when I watched it this time because, like, I, like I've said week after week, I'm ancient now and I cried everything <laughs> too, Dan, everything, everything. And this movie never quite got me because I used to watch it. Also, I think coming from that um, place of kind of always pining after people and and recognising that part of Forrest and I just didn't ever think that Jenny treated him very well or was worthy of his love. You know, I could never quite, um, like I, I could see that she was damaged when I watched it when I was little but I didn't sort of get the extent of it until watching it as an adult. Mm. And so... I, I found, of course, that story is the emotional heart of it. So mm. the the times that I cried in it came when, um, oh, the first time was when they reconnected at the Washington Monument. Like that yes. is just epic. Oh, it's so epically beautiful and he's just been through a war. And, and the other times came when seeing... You're my Jenny. Yeah, what are oh. you doing here, Forrest? You're my Jenny. Oh, God. Oh, it's too much. And the way he, the way I, I actually really love the way he loves her the entire way through this film now because he does it without any possession at all. Like even though we've yes. just said he says you're my Jenny, he doesn't ever try to take her from anywhere. He doesn't ever try to, any violence he shows is always towards somebody hurting her. Mm. It's never... Um, I don't know, he's just, he kind of sits at the the back with it. What made me cry this time is whenever you would see him trying to, that he was stu- he was feeling something but he just didn't have the capacity to be able to process what it was that he was feeling. And so I guess towards the end when he says, why don't you love me, Jenny, you know, that bit, 
And then he says that great line, you know, I may not be. What does he say? I'm not a. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Oh, and then walks out the door and closes the door. Like it just, oh, oh, I just found that very, very, very overwhelming and moving this time. Look, I didn't sob with this movie because it's just like we know what's happening, don't we? We kind of know what, what, Mm. you know, when you've seen something a million times. Mm. The other bit that really got me was his offer of marriage. It's like I just felt this thing with her and and I found it very, very sad. And I don't know if this comes with being a, an adult and being in the world of dating and all that kind of stuff, is that you <laughs> often meet people along the way who are very, very nice and would be very, very good for you. And you try them on for a second, you're like, oh, actually, no, I don't think I can do that. You know what I mean? And I got the feeling, you know, when he asks her to marry him, and then she sleeps with him that night and she pisses off the next morning. I found that very upsetting. But I that was when I really got that character for the first time because I thought she's actually trying to be an adult here. Like she can recognise that this is a good life for her, that mm. she'll be provided for, that she's loved here, but it's still not quite enough for her. She's still too damaged. Like she can only come back to him when she knows her child needs to be looked after because basically yeah. I don't think she was ever in love with him, mm. which is probably, uh, you know, I don't know. if that is that a controversial take? I don't know no. whether it is. I don't, no, I, I don't think so. And- I don't disagree with that. I, I also think, though, that I think a couple of things about that, that's those scenes in the movie. One, I think she absolutely loves him and she yeah. is so damaged and she doesn't believe that she's good enough for him. And that she... What, you think she loves him or, or is in love with him? And I don't think she's it. in love with him, but yeah, I, there's yeah. no question that she loves him. She yeah, adores yeah. him. But also those that time they spend at his house, she returns to him and he, she just lives at his house and he kind of cares, cares for her um, for, I don't know how long that is. It seems like it might be months. And they're just together, but it's, there's no... There's no obligation for her to sleep with him and her whole life has been about being obligated to sleep with men or being mm-hmm. obligated to be the property of a man. And I actually I feel actually a bit crushed for her when he proposes because that completely changes that living situation for her. You know, yeah. she's she's got this situation where she's safe, she's cared for, she's loved, she's with somebody who she loves, but she doesn't have to be his like property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think Forrest sees her as his property, but it changes the obligation of that situation the moment he proposes marriage to her. And I don't think she has a choice but to leave. Did you cry, Kim? I didn't. And this is a running theme, Dan. Yeah, it's I don't a running theme. cry at most of the movies. <laughs> Why are you hosting um, this podcast? Is I'm, this I'm uh, to help you with your, uh, with <laughs> your situation? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's funny. Like, I don't know. Some movies really get me. This one, I, I felt my heart felt full in so many moments, mm. though. And I didn't expect that. I kind of thought that. I'd outgrown this movie. I thought I was going to feel actually quite cringy mm. watching it because it's the first time I've watched it for decades. And probably the fact that I was watching it as an adult meant I looked at it in a different way and so I moved past the meme of it because it's a meme. This whole movie has become a meme, don't you think? Like we all know 
all of the bits, the run, Forrest, run. and Laugh is like a box of chocolates. Exactly. <laughs> stupid is as stupid does. Um, I still don't understand that. I don't understand it. Is it just means that like if you act like a stupid person, then you're a stupid person? Is that what no, it means? I think it's about I think it's about his mum trying to let him know that while people call him stupid, he can only be stupid if he does stupid things. So it's about him not doing stupid things. So he's like, you're you're it's about responsibility. I think it's like yeah. well, you can only be stupid if you do stupid things. So don't do stupid things. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'd love to talk a little bit, and I don't want to get really negative on this, but is there anything, Dan, about this movie that you don't like or that frustrates you? Hmm. I don't know if there is. I think because, you know, when I, you know, when you watch films as a young person, you don't look at anything critically. You're like, oh, that is amazing, whatever it is. <laughs> and I think yeah. I'm still in that with this film. Like, I do remember reading the novel when I was in year six mm. or year seven of Forrest Gump and I did regret realising, oh, no, there's so much more in the novel. Oh, what are they? You know, in the novel he has a pet monkey and he goes to space and, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, a pet, a pet orangutan he and he becomes space. an astronaut. Um, and uh, I'm like, oh, that would be great. Like, oh, why don't they put that in the movie? Um, so, you know, I think there's there's a couple of things that, uh, you know, I would love to have seen in, a, in the movie. And I don't know, you know, you said there was going to be a sequel. I don't know how you could... M- Add a no, sequel to this. It feels crazy. like it ends with Forrest Jr. and Forrest Jr. is going to be hopefully is is that's the great hope that we end on is that Forrest Jr. is going to transcend his own father and his own mother and have the qualities the best qualities of both mm. in those mm. in 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 him and go on to lead a, a lovely a lovely life. We hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I it's definitely the kind of movie that would make a terrible sequel, I can imagine. (laughs) So, Kim, were you looking at it with a more critical lens, were you, this time around? Yeah, I think, do you know what I really couldn't get past in this watching? And it's such a shame because it would the movie would have been so much of a better experience for me if I could have got past this, is I just can't get past the accent. I can't get past Tom Hanks's <laughs> accent a, because big thing to- it's a massive thing. You know, it's there's a, whole a wonderful movie. video online you can see of Tom Hanks's audition and he mm. doesn't have nearly as thick accent as he does yeah. in the film. So um, Ramikas has obviously like really hammered that to, to, to bring that accent forward. Yeah. Um, and there's a few things, you know, there's a, if, if I was watching it as an adult now, there's a few things that are very on the nose in terms of direction um, yeah. that you go, oh, that wouldn't happen. Oh, that doesn't make sense. You know, like when he's running and the guy gives him a T-shirt to wear and he wraps his yes. T-shirt and, <laughs> and it's and a perfect, the, the, the perfect smiley, smiley face. face. That man came up with a pattern for an idea for a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm sure, you know, th- that would annoy me now. Um, yeah. You know, there would be a bunch of... But, I think back then I was like, oh, of course. Oh. <laughs> it's so funny. Good on him. What I did love about this watch, though, is that there were some genuinely laugh out loud moments. Like I, when, <laughs> when Bubba says, have you ever been on a shrimp boat? And Forrest says, no, but I've been on a real big boat. That just cracked me up. That was brilliant. <laughs> When they work out how to get him to stop when he's running on, like when yeah. he's doing the touchdown in football and they all sort of work out this process for getting him to stop so that he doesn't like leave and run into the bathrooms, which he did the first time. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Just some, yeah. It is actually a very funny movie. Can, can I go into bat for a second for the accent? Yes, but before well, you yeah, do. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, yeah. Talk here about is, your. Here is my. Yeah. He, if Ryan Reynolds did 
this movie with that accent, do you think his career would go the way of Tom Hanks's, where he'd shift from comedy to Oscar-baiting dramas, or do you think everyone would go, oh, my God, what is Ryan Reynolds doing? That's okay. horrifying. Well, there's a couple of things there is yeah. I don't think this movie would ever get made today no. in the way that it is because it's so from the from the first few frames of Alan Silvestri's beautiful score with the feather, like we would just be like, oh, this is schmaltz straight away. Um, but also Tom Hanks wasn't going going straight from comedies with this. He'd, he'd just done Philadelphia. So he True. already had yeah. the kind of the gravitas and the chops to bring to this. So, yeah, there's a good point, Kim. But I don't, I don't know if it would. I just on the accent though. So my understanding is that that wasn't the accent he planned to use, but he used it because it was the little boy who played um, Forrest oh. as a child. It oh. was his accent. Um, his name's what's his name? Michael uh, Connor Humphreys. Oh, Connor Humphreys. Yeah. So it was Connor Humphreys. Um, his accent was they, they decided, Robert Zemeckis and um, Tom Hanks decided that they would use that accent rather than try and get Connor Humphreys to learn a new one, that it would be oh, much easier. Right. So that became the accent. Connor Humphreys, what, uh, Michael Connor Humphreys, what a what a um, an anchor for the film, you know, yeah, making yeah. all this around little boy. It's they couldn't find another boy. They, <laughs> they, they couldn't sign up another star. They they couldn't find someone who had a good accent. No, they couldn't. They were like, this guy is the the kid, and we're going to base the whole movie on him now. They, you know, so just, no, they, they yeah, they cast from the very opening scene. Oh look, we've got this feather. Let's cast the cast better. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember. I think that I either heard that in um, uh, that there's a really great How We Made This, you know, that Netflix series about uh-huh. Forrest Gump. Um, but also another nice little thing about that, just a little addendum to that, is when Tom Hanks won the Oscar, he actually got another Oscar made up for Michael Connor Humphreys and sent it to him saying... You know, oh, basically, this is for you. That's lovely. Like, this Oscar is because of you. Something's sort of cheesy that's and sweet like Fuck, when that. Tom Hanks dies, I'm going to cry so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Do you know my mum loves Tom Hanks so much because my 40th birthday party was meant to be, well, 40th birthday party dinner, family dinner, uh-huh. was meant mm. to be at the Park Hyatt on March the 12th, 2020. And um, because Tom and Rita had been there, the ho- the whole restaurant was being fumigated. So they oh, put us in the lobby and they charged us like, 25 bucks each not that but you know like something really where it was going to maybe there were there was something like 10 or 12 of us there and it was getting mum thought it was going to cost her thousands of dollars it ended up costing her like four hundred dollars oh that's, that's amazing. amazing so she, she <laughs> said she'll love tom hanks for the rest of her life yeah. and his, his COVID. <laughs> thank you tom um, for getting covid one, one other thing about always the in the hunt of a bargain isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> one other thing about the accent is it's so southern that i i feel like southern accents have this kind of they're, uh, you know, somewhat probably unfair for Southern people reputation mm. for being dumb. So it kind yeah. of heightens his otherness when he's out in the world. Yes. It heightens his kind of so-called stupidity. It's sort of like it it just works on so many levels. So, Kim, I'm going to fight for the accent in that way. But you, right. just, you just find it annoying to listen to because you know his voice normally. I just, I just found that all of the emotion for me came through, and this is probably a credit to Hanks as an actor, it, it came through his mannerisms and his facial expressions and all of that, but it never came through in his voice for me. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry, because I feel like he struggles sometimes and that's what I love about it as well. Mm. Like he's just such a vulnerable, beautiful, strong but lovely character. Isn't he just, that's one thing I, I just really felt from this viewing is what a beautiful, beautiful soul oh, who has just been raised with such love. The moment yes. where he where he's talk, talks to Jenny after seeing Forrest and says, is he, is he smart? Oh, oh. Oh. 
And that's another moment where you can see his personal growth because he almost is able to emotionally express what's going on with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's this... we never, we never know, you know, how, what, what kind of neural kind of is. problems t- mm. like this character is meant to have. Um, but I kind of think maybe he doesn't have anything. <laughs> yeah. He's just born in the at the wrong time. Yeah, he just got told he was dumb, but he's actually high IQ, high EQ. Yeah, extremely yeah. smart, focused. Man, maybe he's that been. Is, micro, maybe he's a whole character is based on microdosing. Um, but isn't, LSD isn't that or the something. story uh, of of disability for some people? Is that they're just misjudged from the from the outset, yeah. and which means that they have to be constantly fighting against those misconceptions mm. about yeah, them. Yeah, totally. People don't see them for what they are. I thought it might be fun to just sort of say what some of the history that they didn't cover. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've just got one thought about that. And Dan, do you have a thought about about that? Something they could have. Well, clearly they missed the entire space race because yeah. that was in the novel and it wasn't in the film. True. <laughs> could yeah. have put a space so race in there. Oh no! Well, they did have uh, they did have uh, the walking on the moon, and that was good. And they did meet JFK, but you know, at the same time, um, at the same time, well, we should have put Forrest in space. Yeah, <laughs> they probably did. I'm sure there are cut scenes. Don't you reckon? Where they yeah. just? Yeah, I feel like I can see him in a. Maybe I've made that up from that. The, the TV that made us, what it, or, you know. Kim, what do you mm. think they left out? Well, they, uh, there's no mention of Martin Luther King Jr. in there, is there? I don't think there is. Oh. No, but they did have a scene and they deleted it. They definitely right. they definitely shot one where um, uh, Forrest Gump patted a dog that got, that got, you know, in the way of Martin Luther King or something like that. Ah, I see. Uh, the, the Stonewall riots and the gay liberation movement, there's really nothing in there it, despite... Jenny having AIDS, there's no gay characters in there or sort of gay mm. connections um, of that movement. And also, and maybe this is a good thing, this was a big time for serial killers and the Manson family <laughs> and, you know, that could be a Bundy whole different and- type of Forrest Gump. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and then that young man was picked up when he was hitchhiking and it turned out <laughs> that he got killed. <laughs> oh, well, you know, true. like when uh, Damon Harriman played Manson in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, mm. and he had like three seconds of screen time, they would have just cut it out. They would have just cut yeah. it out. Yeah, it was yeah, <laughs> so disappointing. I just think they it's a very particular um, view of American history, you know, like it's, a, it's sort of that um, it's not – the American history you'd find in a Howard Zinn book or uh, in a, I don't know, just in today's discussion, it's really sort of white ruling class. And it didn't, um, like, this was a really important time for women he lived through, but my Mm. God, you wouldn't even know women really existed outside of his beautiful mum and beautiful Jenny. So. The other thing about the the looks at history, and I guess taking this from the watch when I was 14 when this movie came out and then the watch now as an adult is it's actually a very shallow look at history. It's these really sort of, and it's a really um, clever device for doing doing a timeline because instead of having, you know, a graphic pop up on the screen that says 1975, you know, you sort of see uh, Watergate happen or whatever, you know, whatever year that was. But you actually don't come away with any real 
understanding of things like Vietnam and the Black Panther movement and the AIDS epidemic and and the assassinations of, you know, the Kennedys and, and Lenin. But are we meant to, do you think? No, no, I don't think you are, but it's just interesting to sort of, because there's so much packed into it, it's hard to give any of those big moments any sort of gravitas, mm. I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I just think it's like after this watching most recently, I think it's just all about Forrest and Jenny. That's yeah. what this film's yeah. about, you know? And so the other stuff just populates what would be kind of a boring, sad love story if we didn't have those other <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, you know? imagine if, yeah, imagine if Forrest uh, didn't do all those exciting things and just went to the shops instead. Exactly. Uh, it'd be very boring. <laughs> exactly, it wouldn't be the same. And Forrest went to work. Forrest came home from work. Forrest <laughs> It does prompt you to Google in the age of Google and, um, you know, see what actually, like, you know, I didn't know that, the, I mean, I, I gathered that the preventing of the black students entering the college was a real event, but mm. I had to Google to actually find out what that event was. And yeah, it does, it does make you look a little bit deeper. Oh, quite a, quite a, yeah. America's had, I think this is, I, I feel like this is, I, I think Forrest Gump is about America's own narrative and how they kind of yeah. tell it to themselves. Yeah. And it's about kind of acknowledging that there's awful shit and there's good shit and there's hope for the future. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of that's kind of it. It's like uh, Forrest kind of is this vessel that kind of teaches us about how we tell our, tell our stories to ourselves. Mm. Um, and maybe Forrest Jr. is hopefully all the potential wrapped up in what is to come. Yes. Oh, Forrest yeah, Jr. The lovely. the debut performance of Hayley Joel Osment as a oh, nice yeah. little yes. dead people It as would well. have been better if uh, <laughs> Hayley Joel Osment jumped on the bus and said, I know who you are, you're a dead person. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kim, have you got any trivia before we say goodbye? No, you, I, I've left all of the trivia for you, Mel. Okay, I've got a couple of bits of trivia, just a few little interesting bits. So some of the people we could have seen in this movie, Nicole Kidman turned down Jenny. What? Which, interesting. Yeah, which I actually think I'm, I think she yeah, would have right. done a really good job. Oh. <laughs> no, do I do. So? I think she wow. would have been I actually think she would have been better than Do you? Yeah. Yeah, which I know is is um probably like Robin Wright's great, but I can just see Nicole Kidman at that at the age she would have been then. I think would have been a mm. wonderful part for her. Really, really wonderful. Um also, Dave Chappelle um, turned down Bubba. Really? Wow. Yes. Interesting. And he obviously went on to be in You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks. Like, a, oh, you yeah. decide whether that's a lesser um, part for him. And Winston Groom, the author, wanted John Goodman to be uh, Forrest Gump, who at the time was, of course, riding high with Roseanne. But Zemeckis oh, right. yeah, ended up with Tom Hanks. I would have accepted the accent from him, I think. Yeah. Totally. Think so. yeah. Totally. Um, also, yeah, watch that movies that made us. Not, just one other interesting bit. Tom Hanks wasn't paid for this film. Um, he made a back-end deal and he and Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis, actually paid for the scene where the, the last scene of um, – Forest running because they'd run out of money with the film. And that last scene where they're at the Navajo Nation reservation in Utah, you know, with the big um, mm. rocks, and he's like, I want to go home now. Um, Zemeckis and him paid for the, that out of their own pockets because they just thought it was so essential to the film. So they, they so Tom Hanks believed in the film so much that he yeah. would he would make incredible coin on it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The back -end deal. exactly. Yeah. You know what is sad, though, for those of us who may or may not be writers, of which there are a few sitting here today, um, so Winston Groom, the author, originally got a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar 
option fee and mm. was meant to get back end but saw nothing of the back end because of producers creative accounting oh, and no. so oh, he no. he sued them to try and get money of which it ended up being thrown out because they said it's okay it's okay you'll get money when we do a a sequel you'll get mm. like a set they made a seven figure deal with him for the sequel of Fuck. course the sequel was never made so poor, oh, I wouldn't say poor old Winston Groom because I think he sold heaps and heaps of novels after this of it but it's still bullshit that would be yeah like when when um Tom Hanks went home with 40 million dollars they reckon with his wow. back end this film mm. that's so awesome that's a, that's a bit of trivia about our weepy going. of the week which I've got to say Dan when you when you suggested it I thought oh great suggestion I I didn't didn't know where the weeps would come and I also <laughs> suspected I also suspected though that it would not play very well in 2021 that it would be just so sappy uh. but i found it beautiful and i'm really glad you suggested mm. it so thank you oh thanks for inviting me and i you know it, it, when, I, when, I th- when I think of films that make me cry, I, I cry so often in Forrest Gump because it goes so long. It's yeah. quite a long film. Yeah. Uh, it gives you plenty of options to cry within the three hours that it's on screen. Yeah. So it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a long weep fest from start to finish with that film for me. Can I end on the moment that has made me cry in this movie in the past? Because I think it's a really, really beautiful um circle back to when you know when they go when they're little kids and they go to Jenny's house and the father's chasing and they run into the field and she says please God make me a bird so I can fly fly far away and then when he's standing at her grave and he walks away and this flock of birds flies past and that that has got me in in you know that that's what used to get me when I watched this movie Kim you notice so many good things I never even (laughs) noticed that I didn't even notice it's really, that. It's a oh really lovely God, that's moment. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, our th- many thanks, Dan Illich, for joining us today. And uh, if you would like to listen to Dan's excellent podcast, Irrational Fear, it's in our notes. I uh, would also like to thank our fabulous social media editor, Shez Robbie. Please make sure you tell your friends to listen to Weepies and rate us on iTunes. We all need that. Also, go rate and review a, a Rational Fear as well. We all need those rates yes. and reviews, don't even we? If you, even if you don't even listen to it, just go leave a great review, five <laughs> yeah, stars. Five and if, stars. You, if you use the <laughs> phrase weepies or, or mention crying in your review and then then go on to Twitter or, or Instagram and screen cap it and send it to me and then send me your address, I'll send you a sticker pack worth $150. Oh, you're so nice. Of JokeKeeper stickers. I'm going there right now to do that. Oh. Um, we're, we're on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Melanie Tate. Kim, you are? I'm at Kim Lester. Dan, you are? And I'm uh, at Dan Illich or uh, the Australian Open dot com wherever you no I'm not no I'm a dead hillish wherever you wherever you look might, I'm there that might be a really dated joke by the time we come out but I'm leaving it in oh okay right <laughs> see you next time thank you bye. bye.